0: and help you grow your business in the best ways possible. It's why they say, at PennyMac, greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is Division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953. Loans not available in New York. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. We're seeing the impact of home
1: sales and how people moving to certain locations is affecting inflation, at the same time, inflation is now also influencing where people are looking to buy homes. Welcome to The Principal. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network. Today, I'm joined by Taylor Marr. He's Deputy Chief Economist at Redfin. Taylor, thanks for joining me.
2: Thank you for having me. Excited to be here.
1: So there's a lot that, uh, to unpack from that opening. And Redfin's put out three reports this week, sort of looking at home prices and the relationship with, with the, the market, how it's impacting consumer activity. Uh, and we can sort of unpack all of this, but I guess just to start things off, Taylor, talk to me a little bit about where we are in the market and home prices right now.
2: So generally speaking, the market has been going through an adjustment all year in reaction to higher mortgage interest rates. And in particular, that's impacting the budgets that buyers have. And so that they have less spending power. We're seeing sellers have to drop their price in order to sort of meet buyers where they're at. And that's starting to contribute to slowing price growth. We got new data today that shows uh, that existing home sale price growth, uh, according to NAR, is now slowing. It it fell from 15% down to about 13.5%. So it's slowly ticking down. We expect that to continue to slow down in price growth, but mostly as a reaction to these higher interest rates and how buyers sort of mitigate that rise by either offering less or... Uh, doing many other tactics that they have. They're definitely more price conscious today.
1: Yeah, it seems like we're starting to reach that plateau that we thought we'd be headed to as as mortgage rates went up and and prices weren't slowing down. And prices really took off because people were looking to move. And of course, we know inventory uh, wasn't keeping up, but they were tending to go to to certain places that you and others have have documented. What has that done to the economies in those local places? What has that done to, to price growth and inflation? Are, we, are they dealing with inflation more than the, the country on average?
2: That's exactly right. So first off, let's take a step back. And before the pandemic, about one in four active home homebuyers uh, were actually looking to purchase real estate in the metro outside of where they live. Uh, during the pandemic, we saw that accelerate all the way up to about one in three. And so you know, roughly the latest quarter, it's 32.6 percent of home buyers uh, are actually actively searching in a metro area outside of where they live, most people are looking to relocate. So the pandemic accelerated migration patterns that was already happening, suburbanization as well. Uh, but in particular, the areas that were booming were these more affordable markets in the south, like Phoenix and Tampa, uh, Atlanta and. You know, Now with the pandemic-fueled uh, migration, it actually explains a lot of the inflation that's going on across the country. The latest CPI data was at more than 9%, but many people don't know that inflation is actually already double digits in places like Phoenix, Atlanta, and Tampa. And migration is really a powerful predictor now in which metros are experiencing higher inflation Versus lower, the places people are leaving are San Francisco, New York, LA. They saw an acceleration of people leaving during the pandemic, according to the latest data from the census, as well as our own migration data that's more uh, current. Seattle, DC are also seeing an acceleration of out-migration. And as a result, San Francisco and New York have inflation rates that are about half that of Phoenix. So the inflation situation is definitely made much worse by this influx of migration, people looking for more affordable housing, uh, and therefore putting more pressure on things like housing and rental markets, uh, but also things like used cars, more people leaving a walkable place like New York or San Francisco now might need a second car or even their first car when they're moving to a car dependent place like Atlanta or Phoenix. And so that's also kind of behind some of the inflation trends that we're seeing. But uh, but you're right. Overall cost of living is just rising much faster in these hot migration destinations, but it's also contributing to people wanting to move there and maybe even, you know, how sensitive they might be to continue to move there.
1: So it seems like inflation is very much mirroring what we're seeing in, in rents and in housing prices, in that it's up all over the country, but there's a huge difference between some of these hot spots and what, what's happened as people move there versus the places that they're leaving
2: yeah that's exactly right and the the housing component of inflation is even more dramatic in a lot of these metro areas uh the rent or the the housing growth in uh, new york and in san francisco is only about four percent uh whereas in phoenix it's as high as 16 percent or 12 percent in other areas so we also see just within the inflation data too much more pronounced Uh, housing variation uh, of costs uh, that correlate very strongly with migration, and that wasn't true historically. There was a a pretty weak relationship between migration and inflation. Uh, Migration only explained about 24% of the variation in local inflation data. Uh, Now that's increased to about half of the variation in local cost of living differences uh, is explained by these recent migration patterns.
1: So, are we starting to see these trends reverse in terms of where people are looking to live? Are they looking to go maybe back to some of the places they were leaving before?
2: That may be true in a couple places. There are some some boom towns that have started to lose their appeal as they've gotten so expensive. Uh, a couple you know were sort of net attractors as as destinations for people that have since reversed. A couple come to mind like uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, Seattle was also a, a booming place for a while, and, and now it's starting to see more people leave. Uh, you know, Austin has uh, waned in its popularity as well, as it's just become one of the most competitive uh, places in the country. Um, New York is a place that I've found that fewer people are leaving. New York has been losing people for many years, but it's mostly offset by immigration. Only until the last four or five years when immigration rates started to dwindle. Um, but New York during the pandemic, it does seem to have a little bit of a rebound now, and that's explaining some of the really strong rent growth in uh, the New York area right now.
0: Don't miss the nation's largest show for successful mortgage pros. Originator Connect returns to Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, August 18th through the 21st. See us at OriginatorConnect.com. It's simply the greatest mortgage conference in the known universe. Originator Connect. .com. And I don't know if it, I I know the data that
1: Redfin put out obviously you look at at the affordability of the metros and and that seems to be a factor in all of this. Does it look solely at at housing or does it get deep enough where it's obviously housing is a major purchase that people are thinking about but are they also looking at the local inflation and cost of living when they're going to these places or does it really stop at how much does this house cost?
2: You know, housing is the one factor within cost of living that has so much variability, there are other, uh, you know, goods and services and, and that represent cost of living, such as gas prices, for example, are notably higher in California than in Iowa or the Midwest. Uh, but that said, you know, other than some one-off goods, uh, such as, such as gas, most of the variation in cost of living is actually still housing related. So the reason why restaurants might have to, uh, pay a lot more, charge a lot more for burgers is because they have to pay their workers more and their workers demand higher wages because of their housing costs. So housing really does underlie a lot of these uh, cost of living differences anyway. And the majority reason that people are relocating now, according to the census for people who moved across county lines uh, or state lines is for housing related reasons. And first and foremost, it's really moving to find more affordable or larger or better quality housing, whether they're a renter or a homeowner. And so that's kind of, uh, at the end of the day, top of mind for people, it's very salient. It's easy to kind of know what 300,000 buys in one city versus another. Um, so I think that's most of what people are considering and
1: of course as people can still work from home if that if their job allows that that certainly gives them the flexibility to maybe move out of a metro and and still keep their job um the other thing we're seeing with housing prices is of course as, again as you've reported on and others have reported on it's it's slowly pushing some people out of the market and and that makes for a less competitive environment how how far has competition cooled and what are we seeing right now
2: competition has come down quite a bit it was a, at about seven in 10 offers, uh, according to offers made by Redfin agents across the country, faced competition uh, in, back in January. That's come down now to just one in two or about 50% instead of 70%. That's a pretty substantial drop in competition levels, uh, according to you know what offers uh, that Redfin agents are making. And that's showing up in all kinds of other ways in the data. Homes are taking longer to sit. There's a buildup of inventory. Price growth is starting to slow down. Homes are less likely to be selling over asking or within 2 weeks. All of those metrics have been changing since the start of the year, which is really when mortgage interest rates started to rise. And they've almost uh, doubled since the start of this year. And that, as a result, has meant that the median monthly mortgage payment has risen more than 40% for the typical asking home. So that's basically what buyers are, are thinking about. And you're exactly right. If their incomes or their financial situation hasn't changed along with it, then most of them are getting priced out of the market, opting to rent instead, or just simply stay put if they have a low mortgage rate.
1: And as you mentioned, that that's helped inventory catch up. You know, we still have a deficit, but it's not as bad as it was at the start of the year. Are we has it changed enough that we're now things are even or even in a seller's market? Or do we still, I mean, in a buyer's market rather, or do we still have a ways to go where things are cooled? sellers can't ask for the moon, but they still kind of have the advantage.
2: It's tough to say. It really depends on the submarket and what exact home, you know, how beautiful of a home it is, which is always kind of true. Historically, real estate agents or industry pundits might say that six months of supply represents a balanced market. According to NAR, the latest data, we were at three months supply. So that's kind of a, a far way away from a true balanced market. But I would say that that old rule of thumb of six months is probably way too high. Now that technology has sped up the market, that kind of calls for a new baseline, uh, which I would say is probably closer to four months of supply. So we're getting there. It's been climbing up. Um, It's more than doubled almost uh, since the start of the year. So uh, we're moving that direction. Buyers are certainly getting more power, able to include contingencies.
1: So we lost Taylor, but he we've got him back and he's uh, talking about where we are with inventory and, and overall, whether or not we're in a buyer's or seller's market. And Taylor, you were saying, uh, you only think we need 4 months inventory and we're almost there.
2: Yeah, we're hearing from our agents and seeing in our data that ultimately buyers are getting more power. Uh, sellers are having to drop their price. Uh, more than 1 in 4 homes on the market now are basically having to drop their price. On average, that's by about percent And so buyers are able to use things like contingencies and and really carry more weight, ask for seller concessions and use that in order to buy down your mortgage rate is a great bargaining tactic that buyers can take advantage of to lower their monthly mortgage payment, uh, almost more so than just a simple price drop. So I, I think we're basically getting to that point right now. Now there are some markets where buyers have a lot more power. Out in the West, markets are cooling quite rapidly. Uh, in the Midwest, for example, though, it's kind of the opposite. It's, it's more stable. Um, things aren't cooling as much, but you know, really the market is just less competitive. We don't have too many of those extremely hot markets anymore.
1: Yeah, certainly things are changing very quickly because of a lot of different factors right now that are putting a strain on people's wallets. Taylor, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: We'll have the rest of your headlines right after this word.
0: This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to learn more about becoming a partner and starting your journey to greatness.
1: Here's the rest of your headlines for today, July 20th. Kiavi, a San Francisco-based lender for real estate investors who renovate and flip homes, laid off 39 employees this week. The layoffs, which amount to 7% of the staff, come just a few weeks after Kiavi announced it had closed a $218 million revolving securitization of unrated residential transition loans. And finally, as home buying continues to become less affordable, more buyer's assistance programs are becoming available. Downpayment Resources says that there are 35 new federal, state, or local programs in the second quarter, up 2%. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Coutamperour, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Wolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by SkyGaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.